Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Let us pray. God of mercy, you assure us you will never break your promises with us. Life seems so complicated right now. Come speak to us through your Bible, your holy word. We pray in Jesus. Amen. A reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. The Huron High School men's water polo team has an unusual tradition. After the regular season, every year, the team plays in a district tournament. If they win, they go on to regionals and then on to the state tournament. And every year, the new state team members have to bleach their hair. But because we didn't make the state team in 2015, there were a whole lot of more people that needed to bleach their hair in 2016. Along with the excitement of going to the tournament came the dreaded bleaching day. After practice, all the seniors rubbed the bleach in our hair, and eventually, all but about six players had blondish, orangish hair. (laughs) All of a sudden, the complaints about going to school the next day increased exponentially. I dreaded the next morning. The bleach had changed my hair about seven shades overnight. I thought about all the stories you hear of kids getting bullied and hating going to school and having to sit in an empty lunch table. But much to my surprise, it was nothing like that at all. The worst I got were a couple of jokes and 15 seconds of staring. (laughs) Then after the embarrassing explanation in front of a lot of people, I was able to laugh along with them. All of us have our worries in life whether it's worrying about our kids or the big project due at work in three days, we all worry sometimes. Looking back on my hair, I realized that God was with me and helping me to be able to laugh about my hair and take the jokes lightly instead of worrying about how people think about me. God is always with us, even though it is really easy to forget him. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he reminds us, do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We have all been through those teenage years where we think we are invincible. Frankly, it happens to me quite often. (laughs) But the next time that life gets rough, or you start to worry, I encourage you to pray. And it doesn't have to be a ten minute long prayer, maybe just a minute and a half, to ask God for help. God has always been there for us and will always continue to be here with us. And he gets overlooked so frequently because we think we can do everything by ourselves. I am guilty of this too. Let's think about Paul for a second. Paul is writing this passage to us from his jail cell where he probably has the most to worry about. He is going around preaching to people in lands where Christians are persecuted and been to prison on several occasions, and he has been whipped and beaten like none of us ever will. But he says not to worry, 
because God is with us. He has no clue what might happen to him in the future, if he'll be put in prison again, or even if he'll be killed just for what he believes. But he tells us and trusts because God is always with us. If Paul, the man who used to persecute Christians and that was stripped of all of his social status for following Christ, can believe and trust God, then surely we can too. The summer of my freshman year, I was blessed to go on a mission trip to Guatemala. I was excited to spend 10 days with some of my closest friends I had made over the course of the year. But at the same time, I was nervous. I remember sitting on the plane from Fort Lauderdale, freaking out, but only on the inside because I was a tough guy. I didn't want anybody to think I was scared. I was going to a new country with lots of poverty and where who knows what could be going on. So as I was sitting on the plane, I prayed. I said, God, I know you are always with me, but I'm scared right now. Please just help this flight to go well and let us arrive safely. And please, don't let them lose my luggage. (laughs) God was with me. I had one of the best trips I've ever been on. My Guatemala memories will stay with me for a very long time. So whether you have small worries like the color of your hair or large worries like the project do at work, remember in Philippians, do not worry about anything. A reading from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 to 7 and 11. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles, whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plan for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. This is the word of the Lord. November 8, 2016, a day that is painful to remember. It was a dull gray morning when I woke, not excited for school, homework, or even waking up that early. I checked the clock, about 6.30 a.m., so I dragged myself out of bed and got ready for school as usual. As I brushed my teeth, I checked my phone. 100 texts, 30 Snapchats, and 10 Facebook messages. I checked my texts first, wondering what all the commotion was. Some of the first messages I read were, poor Ben, rest in peace, Ben, we will miss you, Ben. With shock, I went through the list of Bens I knew, wondering who had died. Finally, the full name popped up on my phone. Benjamin Charles Pierce, the loving, caring person that will be missed. A person that I had spent time to get to know, a person that loved life, family, and friends. I spent the rest of the day with family and friends. The most difficult part was that I had just talked to him recently. The vivid memory of saying hi to him in the hallway, high-fiving him, him smiling back as we continued our separate ways to class. Him texting me later, asking about how my day had gone, just to be a friend, no matter what. 
That afternoon, as I lay on the couch with a broken heart, I dreamed that everything was good and okay. Then it happened. The email that would change my life. God looking down on me, saying that everything would be okay. I have a future for you. I read the email. Dear Maya McAllister, your application has been updated. Please check and see if everything is in order. Before I go to it, I thought I had missed a page of the submission, or just spelled something wrong, or screwed it up entirely. I opened the page. My heart that was broken into pieces began to slightly mend. I read the words out loud, not believing they were real. Dear Maya McAllister, you've been accepted to the University of Arizona. Welcome to the Wildcat family. I sat there, tears rolling down my face, as God gave me the future I had hoped and prayed for. A time where I knew God was good, and he was watching me, telling me he had plans for my future, just as he told the exiles in Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Since that day, things have changed. Although it's still hard to walk down the hallways, knowing Ben is not by my side, God has brought our friends closer together. People that knew and cared about Ben, to show us that he's not left us completely, but that his spirit will live on through us and God. I'm excited to be spending the next four years in Arizona, wondering what amazing and wonderful things God has in store for my life. In the end, I know that even in a tough world where good people die and we are filled with sorrow, God will be there for us, raising us up, protecting us, and getting us through anything. I am an individual displaying great worry consistently in my life. Just last week, in fact, the thought of having to actually apply to colleges hit me like a lingering yet powerful hurricane. It came as a rush all at once and is yet to go away or even calm down. From types of college programs like nursing or engineering or teaching to distances from home like Michigan, UCLA, or BU, to large or small college campuses, I was on the lookout for anything that I could see myself doing. And just like the eye of the hurricane approaching, questions arose. These questions were unlike any I've ever had before. They weren't about how to make my bicycle move, or where to throw the ball, or even about which friend to trust with a secret. They were about much, much more than that. In my head, the wrong college program could make me miserable for the rest of my life, causing me to think about all of the many what-ifs that could present themselves to me, while the wrong school could make me feel beneath the high standards set to reach my dreams. The possibility of failure, however, is the question that really got me. I can't even begin to count the number of times that I've seen or done something that makes me think, that's what I'm going to do, and then turn right around to confront all the ways that those goals could blow right up. I think I use this fear of failure as a way to kind of nudge God, to make sure he's awake and can tell me if this is his plan for me or not. I'm a part of the youth group here at First Pres, and a couple years ago was blessed with the opportunity to go to Guatemala along with David. I'd never been to a place like that before then. 
The narrow streets came alive each day with vehicles passing up and down, making their way to the mountains that reached towards the sky. The water that flowed out of the faucets was not to be used, as my body was not used to the different amounts of minerals in it. Along with that shock, I was expected to fit all my clothing for a two-week long trip into one suitcase. <laughs> Funny. I would soon come to learn, however, that the feeling I got going onto that plane of having absolutely everything I needed after my four million checks was proven wrong. We had to work projects on the trip, one being working a vacation Bible school for the local children, and the other being the construction of a new kitchen onto the church. There was a group of locals helping us construct the addition to make sure we didn't do it completely wrong, and they knew how to do it. So as most of the muscles in my body ached from walking two feet while holding a large rock, the locals would walk comfortably right by, proudly holding three. One person in particular was about half my size and carried a rock about twice the size of me. This 12-year-old boy, we called Frog, worked with his father on some of their projects, like ours, that they completed. Each day, while the hard work was in progress, Frog would be laughing hysterically as we attempted to communicate with him. From saying, Mas Rocas, to icebreakers, like asking him what sports he played, que deportes juegas. He found our Spanish to be quite amusing. <laughs> so as my breath was being taken away by my shovel slamming into the ground, Frog's happiness was giving a refreshing amount back. He was at peace with his situation, giving everything he had to his family, to his church, and to God. He did not display any worry about lifting three rocks. Rather, he held the rocks up high and placed them onto the soon-to-be church for all his neighbors to use. Frog knew not only how to make a sturdy foundation, but to stop worrying for just one second about everything. Too often, we sit here in our chairs stressing about things like which school to go to or what field to major in. The amount of times we stand up and put every ounce of our trust in God is seldom. I don't think that little boy in Guatemala was aware of the, left he might, of the mark he left on me. From what he showed a bunch of foreign kids, he wasn't worried about his past. I'm sure some days he'd rather be playing soccer than moving rocks, but in the welcoming presence he gave to all of us, he revealed an assurance in the world that I was unaware of. He wasn't apprehensive about his future. He wasn't scared of the chance that what he chooses does not work out. No. He wholeheartedly handed off rocks with God right by his side. If I would have known how unprepared I was for a trip of complete wonder, awe, shock, and questioning, I would have packed one less shirt 
in that suitcase. Little did I know, that spot was needed for trust. So today, I pack one less shirt. I try to get myself one step closer to carrying complete trust in God, to understand completely the many marvels life throws at me and how he's there with me and with Frog, watching as our paths bend in mysterious ways. What if instead of God holding our hands and guiding us, he walks in sync with our feet and with our intentions, acting as a healthy conscience right by our side? For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. May we remember this and let go of our worries. This is our cue to rejoice in God's faith and our trust in him. This last July, I drove up to Southfield, hopped on a bus with about 100 other Metro Detroit high schoolers, and we drove down to Purdue University's campus for the 2016 Presbyterian Youth Triennium. Every three years, PCUSA and the Cumberland Presbyterian Church put on this huge conference where around 5,000 high schoolers gather at Purdue for four days of sweating, frisbee, and Jesus. Anyone from incoming freshmen to recent graduates can go. This is my second time. And Triennium attracts these kids through delegations from all over the country. I've met friends there from Oregon, Wyoming, Hawaii, New Jersey, and all over the world that I still keep in touch with. For these four days, every three years, you'll find thousands of kids milling around with blue badges, going to daily small groups, giving out free hugs, picking up games of frisbee, or cooling off in the massive fountain when we're not waiting outside the music hall for twice-a-day worship. I remember one service particularly. It started out like any church service should, you know, 5,000 awkward teenagers filing into a huge concert hall, jamming out to half-decent 2000s music, and embracing the wonders of air conditioning on a sweat-drenched face. As the service got going with the first couple of songs, some boring presentation, and the usual Presbyterian rituals, my mind wasn't really in the auditorium at all. For the past couple weeks, I had been wrestling with something that had bothered me all summer, and I really couldn't focus on or enjoy anything else. While the conference and the world went around me, I was stuck in my own mind, trying to figure out how to move on, until some of the words of the speaker snapped me out of it. This speaker, Reverend Dr. Alice Ridgell, was this young, energetic lady with one of those warm, soulful Southern accents that makes you just instantly respect and trust her. She spoke casually, walking around the stage, just talking to us as friends. But what we were all really trying to figure out was what was up with the huge backpack she was carrying around. It was this massive, honking thing which weighed down her every movement as she tried to preach. Then, right as she gets to the heart of the sermon, she takes it off her back and lifts it up into the air. Pointing at it, she says, These are my troubles. These are my doubts. These are my fears. And I can't carry them alone. They get a little heavy. But luckily, all I gotta do, all I gotta do is lift them up to God, and he'll take some of the weight. I just gotta let him take them. 
That's when I looked around at the 5,000 other kids in the place, and I saw that we all had one look. I realized that we were all doing the same thing. We were all going over everything we had been through recently. Some had small troubles, some had huge ones. Breakups, parents getting divorced, school, addiction, not knowing anything about the future. But all 5,000 of us did one thing together. We said to God, here, can you help me with this? As we did this, with the speaker still corralling us on, the band started playing this song, this part of a song that goes, you make me new, you are making me new. It was pretty appropriate for the moment. When this happened, all these sweaty teenagers really were made new, just by joining together to share our pains, both with God and with each other. In Philippians, it says, Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say, The peace of God will grant those requests, or the peace of God, which grants all wishes, will fix everything. No. It says that the peace will guard your hearts and minds. So when we talk about lifting our insanely heavy backpacks up to God, that doesn't mean he's just going to fix them and return them filled with chocolate cake and donuts, as awesome as that would be. It means he's going to be there for us and help carry the weight in that backpack, even when there's no one else who will, especially when there's no one else who will. Please join me as we lift up our hearts and prayers to God. Heavenly Lord, you are good. The gifts and blessings you bestow upon us daily are beyond our greatest comprehensions. From the very beginning of each day to the late hours of the night, you walk with us, hold us, and guide us. You call us by name, and we are yours. On this Sunday morning, as a congregation gathered in your name, we ask that you greet us with arms wide open that you would see us as a worshiping body glorifying your holiness, but also as unique individuals created and loved by you. Step into each of our lives and heal hurt, clear confusion, join in our joy, and uncover understanding. We trust you, Lord, and we ask for the confidence to rely on you. Give us hope and faith that you never leave us. We thank you for places like First Presbyterian, where all are welcome to give praise and worship in the presence of others. We lift our hearts in thanksgiving for the many ministries and opportunities offered to us, and we especially give thanks today for the youth of our church. Their joy, passion, and love for life is contagious. Continue to reveal yourself to them in many ways, O oh God for you are great and have no limits. The gifts they bring to this world are irreplaceable. Please continue to guide them in your ways as you guide us all through your word. Loving God, we thank you for hearing our prayers and encouraging us in our meeting together. Take us and use us to love and serve you and all people in the power of your spirit and in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now with great joy and honor towards God, let us join together our voices as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.